How many of you are excited about week four? It's good. Those of you who aren't sick, who don't have the flu, you are excited, and we appreciate your excitement. Uh, man, but so good to be with you guys here today. Hey, we're going to try something this morning. We're going to try it for our fourth or fifth time here. If you are one of our pirate ship kids, you may be dismissed. There we go. That's right. We're just building culture. That's all we're doing. We're just building culture. And if you're one of our kids, hopefully you're excited this morning. Hey, just so you know, if you're one of our parents, we have a uh, team of security that are going to be just kind of walking around the premises uh, in today's world. Um, you just uh, you just, just got to have that. And so we do. And so you can feel safe. You can sit back and relax uh, in knowing that your kids are going to be well taken care of here today. Hey, so last week we started off a brand new sermon series going through the book of Mark. Uh, brand new sermon series, first one that we've ever done here. And each week we're going to be kind of analyzing and talking about a different characteristic of Jesus. You see, Jesus is not this mythological figure. He's not some make-believe, you know, like Harry Potter or something like that. Um, Jesus was real. Jesus actually lived uh, a couple thousand years ago. We believe that his life, that the things that he did, that his being here and the things that he set in motion are the most important things in all of history. I hope that you would believe that the Jesus, as he came into this world, the things that he did, the things that he said, that the most important things ever happened in human history. And so as we started this book of Mark, as we started kind of moving through this, we, we talked about last week how Jesus is our rescuer. Say that with me. Jesus is our rescuer. You weren't with me. Say that again. Jesus is our rescuer. And what we needed to be rescued from was our sinfulness and our rebellion, our disobedience against God and His holy and perfect order. We said, no, we don't want your way. We would rather have it our way. And so we sin in front of God. We needed to be rescued from our sinfulness and this rescuing came in the form of Jesus Christ who died on the cross taking our place so that we might be reconnected with God. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus, our rescuer, and the way that he rescued us was by one, connecting us back to God, and two, by defeating Satan. Now, I don't know about you, but that is very good news for me this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but for me, that is good news. And so here's, here's kind of where we are. I think there's a lot of people who understand and who realize, yeah, Jesus came down. Yeah, Jesus came a long time ago. But what does that mean for me now? I think my past might be secure. I think my future might be secure. But does, does Jesus really care about me now? Does God really care about me right now? I think many people are probably asking that. Several years ago, I had the uh, privilege, I use privilege very lightly, of being in student ministry. Um, I was in a student ministry of a couple hundred kids. Uh, some of them were in middle school, some of them were in high school. It really was a privilege, a lot of lifelong lessons there. Don't read too much into that. And I just remember one night after uh, we had this thing called locker room, I remember a seventh grade kid coming up to me, and I was 19 years old at the time. You want to talk about cutting your teeth on a hard conversation. It's one of the very first conversations I had with a student. And he looks at me with just these angry eyes. And he tells me about how his mom has just been diagnosed with cancer. And he just looks at me just almost like wanting to vent. And he says, does God even care about 
me? Does he even care about this situation in my life? I'm 19 years old, that was a real hard conversation. And see, here's the sad reality that there are many people, probably in this room and especially around our community, you might live next door to them, that are asking that same question. I feel abandoned. I feel like God doesn't even care about me now. I hear what you said last week. Jesus came. He died for our sins, all that. But does God care about me now? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I just have good news for you. Jesus cares for the outcast and the hurting. Jesus cares for the outcast and the hurting. Say that with me. Jesus cares for the outcast and the hurting. And I know right now you may not believe me, but my point this morning that I want to convey to you, that I want you to take home from this, is that very message. And I want you to say it emphatically with me by the end of the day, that Jesus cares for the outcast and for the hurting. In fact, in fact, Jesus cares more about your hurt and your pains than even you do. He cares more about what you're going through than you even do, than you are even aware of. Jesus cares for the outcast and the hurting. So if that's you, if you feel lonely, if you feel like you are going through some type of heartache, this is for you. And so I want you to dive in with me. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. Turn to the book of Mark chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles back there. And to my knowledge, I don't think anybody's taken one in the last four weeks. So listen, they're free. We don't want anything from you. The least we can do is just give you a Bible. And you can find one of those back there on our Connect table. That's free for you. If you don't, you can follow along on your phone or on the screen. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35. If you're there, say, all right. I like it. Mark 1.35. Listen to what Mark says as he's kind of jotting down about what, what Jesus did. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, meaning Jesus. Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout the, all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So let's just pause right here. At this point in time, Jesus is like a rock star. Okay, he's moving from town to town. He's healing people. He's teaching. He's doing something totally different that not many people of his day and not many people of, uh, of his time and his culture would have done. So he's kind of reached rock star status, think like the Beatles, on the move, constantly a crowd following after him. Where's that Jesus guy? Where's that Jesus guy? So Peter comes to him and says, hey, they're looking for you. And he just starts preaching in town after town. And it says in verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, kind of begging, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 41, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. 
And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to them, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What does he do? He went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So Jesus wakes up early in the morning because he's reached this rock star status. He can't catch a break. And before he does anything else, he says that Jesus goes out into a desolate place. He finds a place where there's no crowd. And it says that he just sits with his father for just a moment, a brief moment of time, and just calms down, clears his mind. And it says that he prays to his father. But not only does he pray to his father, it says that whenever the disciples come and get him and they say, no, no, there's people wanting you to heal them, they take him out of this quiet time, move him back into the crowd where they say, Jesus, heal us. And we want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. It says that Jesus just starts preaching openly. He just starts preaching. Not only is Jesus healing people physically, not only is he healing their bodies, but he starts preaching to heal the soul. He starts preaching about this kingdom, this invisible kingdom that we talked about last week where Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so as he's marching through these towns and they're they're wanting to be healed, he would heal people that needed to be healed. But before he would heal them, it says that Jesus would just preach. And he talked about this kingdom, this new reality where people who were hurting could find hope where people who were desperate could find satisfaction for their souls, Jesus preaching out open for everybody to heal, for everybody to hear so that they might be healed. So as he's moving from town to town, he's saying these things. He's saying, be brought into this new reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. This rescuer that you've been talking about for ages and for For thousands of years, guess what? I'm here. I am here. And so he's offering some preaching, some good old-time preaching, just like we're doing here. Not very different from what's going on now. And he says, let us go out in the next town so that I may preach here, so that I may preach the good news in the synagogues. And then, in verse 40, it says that after he's done preaching, it says that a, a leper came to him, imploring him. And kneeling, he said to him, if you will, listen to the faith there, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. Now let's just break this down about a leper for just a second. You see, a leprosy was a disease that would be kind of on your skin, and it went deeper than just the skin where it would just start to eat at and erode the tissue in your body, all over your body, leprosy. It was considered a disease that made you unclean. Now, if you were a leper, if you had leprosy, you couldn't just live anywhere where anybody else lived. You couldn't live in the city. You couldn't live in a normal place. You had to live outside the camp outside the city limits. Not only did you have to do that, but if you come in contact with anybody, 
You had to constantly shout, unclean, 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 so that people would know not to come in contact with you. So they had to kind of stay outside the camp. They had to dress in a different way. They had to keep their hair dirty. They had to put things in their hair to keep it dirty, like to make sure that it was messy. They had to wear the clothes that a leper would wear, just kind of torn and ragged. And they would stay outside. Can you just imagine with me for just a second, you can see society. You can see people going about their business. You can see families operating together, being close-knit. You can see all those things happening. But you, as a leper, were considered unclean and not allowed into the rest of society. You weren't allowed into the rest of society. The leper, would, he would have been what we refer to as an outcast. He would have been what we refer to as one that society has kind of moved away from. You can forget having a job. You can forget having a family. You can forget being respected. And you just had to live. No one would want to come near you. Had to stay 50 paces out from somebody. And it says that he comes up to Jesus, this all of his ragged clothes, knowing that he has to stay 50 paces out from the rest of society, knowing that he has to shout unclean, what does it say that he does? It says that this leper, abandoned, forgotten by society, shouts out to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, if you will, you can heal me. If you will, you can change my whole circumstance. If you will, I know that you have the power to change my life. And what does it say that Jesus does? Verse 41, what are those first three words there? Moved with pity. Now this is not just like a a whimpering, like, oh, I feel sorry for him. Like Jesus is in his gut moved with compassion. That's what the Greek would, move, would mean there, moved with pity, that Jesus sees this leper and he can't just sit idly by. I know we kind of make jokes about it, and, you know, we did the fist bump, like if anybody has the flu, like no, 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 no. This man has leprosy and Jesus breaks the cultural norm, breaks the law, goes outside the camp because he's so stirred that he has to heal this man. And notice that Jesus didn't just speak this man to be healed, but he did the unthinkable and he touches this man with leprosy. He touches him, gets right in there with the dirt, gets right in there with this disease and touches this man on his skin. But not only does he heal him, He goes even a step further and he makes him clean. He says, I say to you now that you are clean. Because of a a ceremonial law, he had to go back to the priest and the the priest would would have to ceremoniously say, okay, now you are clean, now you are cleansed, and now you get to enter back into society. Jesus doesn't just heal him, but he says, I make you clean, go back to your priest, go tell your priest that you are now clean so that you can enter back into society. 
Now, in one brief encounter, in one brief second here, Jesus has changed this man's life. Jesus changed his whole story, has changed his outlook. Who was once away from society, now being allowed to enter back into society. Why? Because Jesus was moved with pity. Because he was moved with pity. And it says that after he was cleansed, after he was cleaned and healed, that this man, the leper, enters back into society. But what happens to Jesus? What happens to him? They hear about it. And everyone everyone in the city, they hear about how Jesus has healed this man. Jesus becomes so popular that he can't live in society anymore, that he can't live in the city anymore. Jesus has to move to the desolate places. Jesus has to basically go out into the wilderness and live. He has to go out into the wilderness and live. Now, if you're thinking along with me here, they've kind of traded places, haven't they? The leper couldn't be in society, could see it, needed to be healed, needed to be cleaned, couldn't be back into culture and everyday life. Jesus being a part of it, being popular, sees this man, is moved with pity, heals him, allows him to come into society. Jesus then has to move out into a desolate place. They've just traded places. I don't know about you, but this is a clear picture of what Jesus has done for you and me. In that we were the ones who were outcast and we were the ones separated and alienated from a good and holy God. Jesus sees us in our state, moved with pity, knows that we need to be healed, knows that we need to be cleansed, moves outside the camp, heals us, sends us back into closeness with God as he moves to a desolate place that we know as the cross. This story is a picture of what is to come where Jesus takes our place. Jesus trades places with us. You and I were that leper outside the camp that needed to be healed and brought back into fellowship with God. Jesus was that one still here moved out to a desolate place that we know as the cross, that we know as death. Mark 1 40 through 45 is the clearest picture of the gospel as you'll ever see. And so if that's you, listen to me for just a second. If that's you, if that's you outside the the camp here, if that's you feeling like you've been abandoned, feeling like you've been left alone, feeling like God doesn't care about you, feeling like society doesn't care about you, listen to those three words, moved with pity, let me tell you, let me assure you that God definitely, absolutely cares for you. That He cares for the lonely. He cares for your heartache. He went outside the camp breaking cultural laws in order to heal this man, and He cares just as much for you today. He cares just as much for you today. But did you hear the faith of this man covered with leprosy. Nobody else could help him. And he sees Jesus knowing that only Jesus was the one that would be able to help him. 
knowing that Jesus was the only one that would be able to heal him, he didn't cry out to anybody else, but in faith, he said those words in full assurance, I know that you can heal me if you're just willing to do it. Do you have that kind of faith this morning? Do you have that kind of faith? Like Jesus, I know you can do it. If anybody can bring healing to my soul, I know it's you. He had to break the rules in order to leave the camp. He had to go and find Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes, God allows us to go through certain pains and certain trials because just like this leper, just as he went out proclaiming, look at what Jesus did for me, look at what Jesus did for me, sometimes Jesus or God allows us to go through certain things in life to experience certain heartache, to experience certain pain, so that whenever we're healed, we're sent back out with a better proclamation of who he is. Just as this leper went out and said, I found healing, and it was Jesus. He, he kind of breaks the rules here a little bit. It was Jesus. He healed me. He goes out with this better proclamation of who Jesus is. And sometimes God allows us to go through certain things so that whenever we come out of them, we have a better proclamation of who he is. And we we're able to say, guess what? I was hurt. And my heart was broken. And I felt like nobody else cared. And then there came Jesus who was moved with pity. And Jesus healed me. God cares deeply for you. And don't miss me on this. God cares more for you than you do. He cares more about your pain than even you do. And so if that's you, I want you to hear those words this morning that God cares deeply about you. But not only that, not only that, if so if Jesus cared for the marginalized and the sick and the hurt, if Jesus cared for those that were outside the camp, then shouldn't we, too, care about those who are outside the camp? Then shouldn't we care about those who might be considered outcasts, those who might be considered heartbroken? Listen to this. The outside world will know that Jesus cares for them by how well our churches are caring for them. Did you hear that? The outside world will know that Jesus cares for them by how well our churches care for them. If there are hurting people in this community, if you can drive any direction from this building this morning and find somebody who's going through a difficult time, then guess what? We have the incredible task of showing the love of Jesus, showing the care of Jesus, showing the compassion of Jesus, just like he would have done. Jesus cares for the marginalized. He cares for the outside world. And the only way that they will know that Jesus cares for them is by how well our churches are caring for them. I want you to feel the weight of that this morning. I want you to think about that for just a second. Your hurting neighbor, your hurting family member, your hurting friend, your hurting coworker, 
will know that there is a God that cares about them through only one mode or through only one means of transportation. And that is by how well you specifically, not collectively us, but how well you specifically are showing them that Jesus cares for them. Do you feel that? Like we have an incredible pressure this morning. An incredible pressure. Incredible job or role to let the outside world know there's a God above that cares deeply for you. And so what do we do? What do we do with this truth? What, how, how in the world do we go about this? I think Jesus offers a good model. So let's pick up right there in, in verse 35. I think Jesus offers us the clear definition, the best method of how we're supposed to do this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, what does he do? He didn't drink his energy drink. He didn't get his coffee or anything like that. He didn't rush out to where the crowds were. Think about it. There are thousands of people waiting to be touched, waiting to be healed by Jesus. And the very first thing that Jesus does early in the morning is he goes and heals people. No. He finds a desolate place where there's nobody at, and he just sits with his Father. The first thing that we want to do, the first thing that we need to do if we're going to help hurting people, if we're going to show the love of Christ to hurting people, is we spend time with our Father. Now at this point in time, Jesus would have had to wake up very early in the morning to withdraw. Sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes the hard work of waking up early in the morning, withdrawing from everybody else, and just sitting with God and just saying, God, I need to hear from you before I do anything else today. We lead, as followers of Jesus, we lead out of the overflow and not just out of necessity. We lead out of the overflow. Let me picture it like this. Picture you have a tall pitcher of water, a tall pitcher of water. And you've got this friend at, at work, or you've got this coworker, something like that, that just needs ministering to, that just need a, a healthy word. And so you take that pitcher of water and you pour a little bit in. Your kids, they obviously, they're always going to need you to pour into their life. So you take that tall pitcher of water, you pour a little bit in. Your spouse, they're definitely going to need some ministering. They're, they might be hurting. They, they might need some, some kind words. You take that pitcher and you, you pour it in. Or you, you've got this neighbor who's going through a hard time. You take that pitcher and you pour it in. So many people in your life are going to want, 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 and need you to minister to them. And at the end of the day, what has happened is you have taken that tall water and you've poured yourself out to so many people, to so many different places that at the end, you've got nothing left. You've got nothing left to give. I, I'm dry. I'm burnt out. That's not what we want to do. Instead... Instead, what we want to do is we want to wake up early in the morning and that we want to have our picture continuously filled where God is pouring into our life so that in this picture, picture with me now, there's just water overflowing and this cup gets some and this cup gets some and this cup gets some because I'm being poured into on a constant basis because I'm being poured into by my Father on a regular basis that everybody's getting some of me. And I'm not burnt out. I'm not tired. Everybody has something to get, especially myself, because we're leading now out of the overflow. 
And so everyone is ministered to. Everyone is helped. Listen to me. You need to be selfish in your time with the Lord. You need to be selfish in your time with God on a daily basis. You might have that friend who needs something. You might have a spouse or a husband who needs something. If Jesus was selfish enough to go and spend time with God, how much more then do you think we need to be? Probably a thousand times. So we lead now out of the overflow. And then it goes on to say that he didn't just pray. Now after he's fed, after he's spent time with his father, that he gets up, he marches into the crowd. And what is one of the very first things that he does, it just says that he preaches, he starts proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. We model that the same way that he does. We preach this good news of the kingdom. We use words. We use words. Sometimes it's not enough. I'll go on to say it further. It's never enough to just let your actions speak. Sometimes people say actions speak louder than words. Guess what? When it comes to the gospel, not necessarily so. They need to hear good news from your mouth. Jesus just didn't heal people. He spoke good news into their life. And there are people in your life that need to hear truth from you. They need to hear good news from you. And you have that message. You offer that hope to them. You offer the good news of this new reality known as the kingdom where hurting people can find hope, where desperate and hungry people can find satisfaction. You offer that. And so you need to speak the gospel clearly. Listen to me. Revelation 21.4 says these words. In the end, as all things have, have kind of ended and the followers of Christ are in heaven with him, this is what it says is our future, that he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed have been passed away. And Jesus looks out at all of those who have followed him and all of creation, and he says, I make all things new. There are people in this room today that need to hear that truth, that Jesus has made all things new, and that one day he will look out before us, and he says, there's no more hurt, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow. I've taken all those things away. There are people that you see on a daily basis that need to hear those things. And the only way they will hear it is not through Facebook, is not through some meme, is not through some televangelist, but it's through you speaking this out over them. And this is the message of hope that Jesus preached. And then he goes on and says that as he's out, that this leper comes up to him and he, he, say, he begs him, Jesus is moved with pity. If Jesus is moved with pity for the outcast, then so should we. And we offer healing. I don't know about you, but I've never like put my hands on somebody and like literally healed them. But I know somebody who can, and that's Jesus. And so we as followers of Christ, we offer healing. Not that we can necessarily do it, but to those who might feel abandoned, to those who might feel hurt, we go to them just as Jesus did and think about all of the cultural barriers that Jesus had to break in order to find these people. What kind of cultural barriers are we going to have to break? For the marginalized, 
for those that society and the rest of culture has forgotten about. If Jesus had to go outside of his norm, go outside of what was normal and do something taboo, shouldn't we do the same exact thing? Shouldn't we be going to the places where people need healing the most and say, no, it's not really normal for Christians to be doing that. Listen, there are people around us that are desperate for good news, that are desperate for healing. And we're going to have to break some rules to go find them. We're going to have to break the cultural norms to go to be there with them, to offer this good news. What cultural taboos are we going to have to break in order to reach people? You see, we want you to do that in your own separate time, in your own life, to be in those places. But we've also offered a place for you to do that. It's not normal, okay? It's not normal for a group of people to come and serve in elementary school. It's not normal, it's outside of the cultural norm for a group of people to look at single moms and single dads and say, we care about you. It's not normal especially to go to a high school and look at an administration that might be tired, that might feel abandoned and say, we haven't forgotten about you. We've offered a place in our church inside of what we do for you to do these very things. Missional communities break the cultural norms. Missional communities are taboo because instead of asking people to come to us, we're going to them. We're going to find people who are desperate for good news. We're going to find people who are hurting and we're going to go to them. We're going to say, we offer news to you of a better reality and we offer hope to you. We offer healing to you through this man named Jesus. And so we want you to be invested in that. We want you to find time to do that, to join us on mission in those missional communities. Because we're going outside the camp. We're going to find people that need good news. You see, whenever we announced that we were going to plant Creekside Church several, probably about a year ago, we announced that we were getting ready to, to launch into this. And we gathered a group of people together who said that they would be willing to go. Most of them lived in Goose, uh, Goose Creek. And we called them our launch team. And just so you know that there's so much that has to go into this, through you being here today. And that launch team helped us get here to this point. And probably about January of last year, we're getting ready. We're kind of ascending that mountain, getting ready to plant what is known as Creekside Church, that mountain known as Creekside Church. And it just seemed like every month that we get ready, uh, that we wanted to do something new, that we wanted to try something new. And our, one of our launch team members would just come to us with bad news. Would come to us with this, and I mean life-changing news. And that was January of last year, and then we start moving into February. And we say, okay, February will be better. We can, we can get going then. February will be much better. February comes, and another family comes, and they've got bad news. Life changing news. March, the same, and on down, just about every single month that we wanted to, okay, now we're going to get some momentum. Now we're going we're gonna to press in. Now we're really going to do some stuff. And it was like, we couldn't. It never went the way that we thought it would. Because there were people in our team, people on our teams that were going through some life-changing circumstance that were deeply impacted by some of the things that happened. And then we pressed into the summer 
And we're, we're getting ready again to just plant this thing called Creekside Church. And the, Greek, the group started to heal a little bit better, and they're starting to find some healing. And then it just hit our home, our personal home, with family members passing away, family members taking their own lives. And then we move into the holidays, and it's like, okay, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. We're going to find hope. And then more family things happen. It's like, what, what are you doing? We're trying to do this for, for you. It never went the way that we thought it would. And listen, sometimes life is like that. It never goes the way that you think it's going to go. It's never as happy, it's never as cheerful as you think it's going to be. Sometimes, it just doesn't get better for a long time. But hear me on this. Hear me on this. I was sitting down talking with with one of my mentors and pastor friends, and he said, listen to me. What is it that you think this city needs? And I said, well, to be honest, I I think in my time here, I, I found a lot of people that are hurting that need hope, that need healing. And he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. And he said these words that were life-changing for me, and maybe they'll be life-changing for you too. He said, if God's going to do something great, and if he's going to bring healing to this city, then he's going to start by bringing healing to you personally. All that God is going to do in, around this community, all that God's going to do in this city, guess what? He's going to do it through you. And so if he's going to offer healing to 95,000 people, guess what? Then maybe the way, the, the uncultural thing, the, the thing that we might not necessarily want, maybe the, the taboo thing that he's going to do is he's going to heal this community by starting with a few, by healing us, by giving us hope, by changing our perspective, by sending us back out so that we might better be able to offer hope and healing to the rest of and so I don't know what you're going through this morning. But let me just say, I, I'm, I'm with you. Some of those things that happen, like they're still ongoing in our lives. Ongoing. So we're with you. We know what it's like. And because we're in that healing process ourselves, we're able to offer a better message to those around us. Is he trying to do the same for you? Will you let him heal you? Will you let him give you hope so that he can send you out, send you back out with a better proclamation to those who might need the same? Will you allow him to do that? This morning, the band's going to come and play. And my challenge to you is simple. One, if you need, um, if you need to be healed, uh, I think the message is very simple. You're only going to find that through one person, and that person is the one that was moved with pity. And so I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you to come to Jesus and just where you are, just cry out to him. Say, God, I'm, I'm desperate for some good news. I'm desperate for healing. But if you're not, if you're kind of coming out of that, hey, we're in one of two camps. Either we are in it, we're coming out of it, or we're getting ready for it. We've all been there, or we're getting ready to go to it. Uh, maybe you're coming out of that a little bit. I want you to just sit there, and I want you to ask God, okay, what now, where now, who now needs the same message of, of hope and, and healing that I've been given? And so I hope that you would just be free to find that in this place. I want this place to be a place of healing, and I want this place to be a place of hope. Let's pray.
Jesus, we know just in the stillness and the quiet of this room that the only place that we can find healing is from you. Jesus, you're, you're not a character. <laughs> there wasn't some mythological character thousands of years ago named Jesus that healed this man with leprosy. This really happened. You really did this. You broke cultural norms. You went outside the camp. You took your hands. You placed it on a man who desperately needed to be healed. And you healed his body. You changed his life. You sent him back into society. You moved out to a desolate place. Continued moving towards the cross. What a beautiful picture of what you want to do with us. And so as we pray, as we're healed, as we're as we're fed off of you and our relationship with you, we pray that now we would proclaim the good news of the gospel, that we would offer healing. I pray for those in here this morning that it's just not okay, it's not a good day, it's not a good time of their lives right now. And I pray that they might hear from you in this moment. They might hear those words moved with pity that you care for them. We look to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to invite you to stand and sing. And if you need to just kind of withdraw and, and find a place, we invite you to do that too. Feel comfortable. If you need to speak with somebody, I'm going to be in the back. Pastor Robert's going to be in the back. Um, we know that we're just now kind of getting to know one another. Uh, we know that we're just now, we're, we're kind of strangers still. Just know that, that if you need us, we're here for you. And we won't do anything but listen. Some of us might cry with you. Uh, but just know that we are here with you. We're going to be standing in the back uh, if you need somebody to talk to.